Hello people, welcome back to the podcast. Hope you're doing very well. I truly do. And I hope you are taking a moment for yourself today in the crazy, busy, hectic world that we have all created. (laughs) I hope you're doing well. So today we've got Nathaniel Dunn on the podcast. We met at the 100 Human Experience event that you might have heard me talk about on the podcast previous episodes. I've got a podcast dedicated to that event with the character Jay. If you want to head back, I think it's episode 47 or something. Very recent. This event's brought to you by Tony Riddle, who I want to touch upon initially as it kind of segues into the guest today. Uh, Tony, who has just released his book called Be More Human, which I would urge you to go and get the audiobook narrated by Tony is also out. It's a great way into all the stuff that I actually hold very dear to me, uh, learning more about these things. And yeah, it's a it's a good collection of teachings, learnings, Tony's philosophy, and how to really go inward with connecting to yourself and interacting with the world truly believe that there's so much in this book that has the potential to change your life within a day within a year if you started to implement certain things tools practices strategies if you started to live your life a little more a little bit more in sync with your actual innate natural self then yeah things might start to get a little bit easier for you who knows maybe you're already even doing that but I definitely vouch for so much which is in this book. So I'll be shouting about it for some time to come. Now, as I was talking about the 100 Human Experience, this uh, event is in three weeks time, the 24th, 25th, 26th of June. And you would have heard me talk about this, but just to sum it up, it's 100 humans in a field, moving, playing, being, breathing, and getting into cold water, uh, interacting in ways which are a little bit more, I guess, accepted due to the environment which is created. Um, and by that, I mean really just letting out the the inner self, letting out all those things, those ways in which you want to scream, shout, roar, be a bit more primal and be very much more in tune with the present moment as it comes and goes the people at these events are the best thing about it there's so many humans collection of people from all over all walks of life but with one understanding of a great thing and that is what makes us human what makes us this living breathing organism what it is and a curiosity to dive deeper into what that is. So I'd say that's my summary of the event, if that does anything of justice for it. You can find out more on the event. I'm going to put a link in the description of this podcast, and you can also head over to my links at Instagram uh, in the bio. So head over there if you want to get a discount code and uh yeah find out more about it so without further ado nathaniel done on the podcast today we dive deep into his story we connected over similar 
beliefs about men's work and how what he's doing in that space and yeah really uh really glad we got to talking and uh connecting over it because it's a uh, it's someone that i'd want to follow for for the, some time to come and i feel like he's uh he's doing some good work in the world which we get into we talk all about his nlp and how that has allowed him to be a bit more mentally flexible what he did when he was presented with a question which is an incredibly powerful question the question was what is a mission so big that nothing would stop you maybe that's the guiding light for today but anyway enjoy the podcast on a last note i just want to let you know that i am an organizing a men's retreat this is the first retreat i've ever even thought about doing it feels very appropriate and relevant for me right now it's something that i want to offer to my community the being human community first of all initially and then it will go out to the wider public that may mean you so it's a men's retreat anyone who identifies as a man it has the invite and uh, this is going to be an intimate six person retreat in the lake district venue is not yet secured dates are not yet secured looking around the end of august this year so if this is something now i understand you don't know anything about it yet but if it's something that you are curious about you will know already you will know so if it is then shoot me a message on instagram head over to body mind practice and reach out and just say i'm interested let me know when there is more information And I will certainly do that. Okay, thanks for listening and I'll speak to you soon. Here is my conversation with Nathaniel Dunn. Good to connect with you, man. It's, uh, it feels like we've got very similar things going on. Mm. similar times in our lives and uh yeah it's it's good to know more people in the in the world of men's work and just health in general and yeah kind of feeding into the same missions i guess um and the same um things that we see the same obstacles that we i guess align on mm. um in terms of you know what isn't serving our our humans and and what that narrative is of you know what makes us human i guess is is, yeah. is kind of the biggest things that we that we connected on um but yeah after the 100 human experience um and we can talk about that as well um there's no real parameters of this conversation we can we can go wherever so um yeah there's no real agenda um which is how i like it um nice. but i thought first of all we'll obviously start with a good old introduction um, of yourself and yeah perhaps a bit about your journey and what led you into this work yeah um well yeah thank you for having me really cool to connect uh that was a great experience the 100 human experience and it was really nice to meet some uh, some more like-minded folks uh so i'm my name is nathaniel uh, i'm a i'm a change maker so i'm, I'm really interested in change and change at multiple levels change on an individual level on a on a sort of internal level uh and that's what i've been focused on for quite a few years but but in the last probably two years i'm really starting to focus 
on impacting change on a bigger level, on a more systemic level. Um, I think the 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 the, the trajectory of humanity is uh, not very good at the moment, and um, I love helping people, but I love helping people who themselves are trying to create a big impact in the world and trying to change things, and and so that's that's uh, kind of my sweet spot now. Um, so really focused on uh, helping people who themselves have a have a high purpose, you know, and, and trying to um, create a better world. Um, what that looks like, I mean, I'm working with some entrepreneurs in the sustainability space, um, working with some people who are working on in kind of what you might call mental health or, or uh, social change as well, um, involved with a few startups. Um, and uh, do do a bit of work with a with a social enterprise as well. So doing some trauma work, you know, stuff with military veterans, um, police, fire brigade, helping people who are really struggling quite a lot, and uh, and and do the men's work too. And um, yeah, I kind of find myself here by accident. Really, it was not a, it wasn't really an intention. Um, I used to struggle with anxiety for years and years and years. And uh, anything anything involving groups of people used to freak me out or anything where there was any kind of performance, you know, where I felt like I needed to perform, like like the whole idea of this, which is just you and me chatting, but it's still, for, for me, this kind of thing, public speaking, all that kind of stuff, it used to really, really freak me out. And um, <clears throat> I'd always been like that, so I never really thought too much about it it was just me and uh at some point sort of in my 20s it started to become a real challenge because I was in I was in the corporate world I was working in a big company I was surrounded by people all the time working in this big open plan office and and I was just always on edge always on edge never never felt comfortable in that environment and it was just exhausting me and you know, I'd have to kind of psych myself up just to just to go to work, and I'd get home and I'd be oh, I'd just be exhausted. Um, and I was working for a, for a uh, big research agency, and a huge part of that job was looking after clients. Because even though I struggled with groups, I was always good with people. And a big part of my job was going into clients' offices to either uh, get the re- the research brief or deliver the research, which is basically being in a meeting, being running meetings or doing like proper stand-up formal presentations. So I was just constantly in this environment that I found emotionally just super draining. And um, I feel like I got away with it for a long time. So I had a couple of blips, but like nothing major really. Uh, And then about eight years in, I just had what felt like a total meltdown in a work meeting where uh, it's like my, my body didn't respond to what my brain was telling it that's what it felt like and um I was trying to it's my meeting so everyone's kind of looking at me waiting for me to talk and I just nothing nothing was coming out and I couldn't speak and I I completely froze uh which was I felt like I was paralyzed and I didn't know what that was I'd never had that happen to me before and then I panicked and then you know heart rate and shakes and sweats and all of that and it was just this I don't even know how long it was. It probably wasn't that long, but it felt like, you know, three months worth of, of pain in that moment. Uh, and it really freaked me out. It really, really freaked me out. Um, I had no idea what it was. And I was so embarrassed because it was in front of a bunch of people. And um, that prompted me to try and understand it 
and seek seek some help basically and try and figure out what it was so that I could stop it happening again. Uh, and I found myself, I, I, I did some NLP training. That was where it started for me, mm. which really helped me. Uh, I was so lucky. I did a Google search as literally as lucky as that and, and uh, happened to stumble across one of the top NLP trainers in the world who happened to live in Melbourne where I was. And I, and I, didn't, I had no idea about that at the time. And I went and trained with this guy and, and he just felt like he just gave me the keys to my mind and um, completely changed my life. And that, that was great because it, you know, my life got a lot easier, which was really all I wanted at that point. I stopped being so fearful all the time and I started to actually enjoy doing the things that I hated and was terrified of. And, um, but it, but it, it was fascinating to me because I was so curious about how that's even possible and how it works and how can you go from, I mean, I had a really profound shift. I'm talking like two days in a room with this guy and I came out like a different person. Like it really was utterly life-changing in a very short amount of time. It was, um, and, and that shocked me too, but in a, in a good way. And, it, and I just became fascinated by how the mind works and how we make sense of the world and how the mind and the body work together and just human psychology basically but not from a theoretical perspective from a from a you know real hands-on perspective and um and I and I kind of threw myself into understanding that and did all kinds of trainings all over the place and at some point I realized I could I, I knew enough that I could help people and I realized that there's a massive demand for that because so many people are struggling in various ways and uh so yeah roll forward a few years and i've got a coaching practice and i'm helping people all around the world now and and it's amazing i feel very lucky but it was it was an accident really i I stumbled into it Mm -hmm. what do you think it was about the nlp specifically that shifted so much was it just like a framework to use in in terms of understanding yourself because i've had a few guests on who have touched on NLP, but I don't really know that much about it myself. Um, does it really work with like somatics and and does it, yeah, does it really hone in on that mind body connection and the loop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a huge advocate for NLP. Mm-hmm. NLP's got a bad rap. It gets a bad rap because there's a lot of, <laughs> why, there's, why do you think that is? Rightly so, because there's a lot of crap NLP out there. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of like, I, I think of it, I mean, I, I'm big into martial arts, studied Kung Fu for most of my life, for most of my adult life anyway. Um, you know, I love it. And, and I, the way I think of that is it kind of helped me to understand my own body and get coordinated and understand how, I, you know, get better control over myself so that I could then uh, have more control over someone else's body. That's kind of how I think about what Kung Fu gave me. Mm. but kung fu is really broad right there's a lot of bullshit kung fu out there there's a lot of fake martial arts teachers there's a lot of you know you look on the internet for some of this stuff it's ridiculous and and i kind of think of nlp in the same way when i when i first really started to to learn it i i felt like this is kung fu for my mind which that's just how it made sense to me because it's like i suddenly got some ways of understanding my own mind that then helped me to understand other people's minds and helped me to therefore better interact and communicate and, you know, be more functional and effective in the world, basically. Um, but like, like with martial arts, you know, there's, there's so much crap out there and there's, there's a lot of just 
cookie cutter kind of, you know, here's a script, learn this script and that will help you to better work with people. And it's like, the world doesn't work like that. You know, people, people don't respond like robots. You, what, what, what really, really good um, NLP training gives you is much more flexibility, mental flexibility. You know, it gives you the ability to respond and adapt your behavior to, on the fly more effectively and and that's a godsend in any in any context really uh, and a huge part of it is, is about your body that absolutely um and what it gave me was i mean here's how i know how it works right this this was this was the the like a huge revelation for me so i did i did the first weekend of this course so this course is like a i don't know what it is 28 day course i think over six months it's like a long weekend every month and i did the first weekend and after that weekend i had what at that time was the biggest presentation of my life uh I'd, i was i was in a new country i was in australia i'd come in at quite a senior position in this company and we were hosting a conference we had i don't know what it was a hundred clients in the room maybe all my team all my new team we had guest speakers from outside the organization and i was one of the people who was representing the company so it's a big deal for me you know I'd only been in I hadn't been there very long and it's kind of my reputation was on the line and and that would normally be the sort of thing that I would absolutely freak out about uh, and I'd still would have done it but I would have done it from a place of fear I would have been mega nervous I'd have been worrying about it for months uh, and on the day I'd have been borderline panic and I'd have to like force my way you know mind over matter through it and so I did this weekend and I'm sat on the front row. So you've got this you know, room full of people behind me, wherever it was, hundred odd people. And my boss was introducing me on the microphone. And so it was like the 20 second countdown to like in a minute, you're like literally in a few seconds, you're going to get up and you're going to talk <laughs> to people, which is normally when I'd be just like, you know, heart rate going and just like, wanting to find an escape route and my mind's going, how can I get out of this without losing face? You know, all of a sudden I've got, you know, I ate something dodgy last night and I feel sick and I need to run. Like that kind of stuff was the kind of stuff that would go through my mind. Mm -hmm. And I felt, I felt the emotion. So I felt the sort of the, that response starting and I was very aware of it. And I was aware of it with a much more open sort of acceptance of it rather than like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm going to freak out. And uh, I hope I'm allowed to swear on your podcast. Sorry, <laughs> um, I'll keep it. I'll keep a lid on that. Um, and 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 then I had some ways of some actual things that I could do mentally that just calmed me down. Mm. And I and I did them like in a matter of seconds. Just went dum 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 in my head, and it was some breathing stuff, and it's some stuff with my eyes, and some stuff with my tongue. Um, it was all physical. It was using the body to to slow down the nervous system basically mm. and and i just felt this wave of calm come over me uh, and i never felt that before like that and I, and I got up and i took the microphone and i turned around 100 people and i delivered this presentation and i nailed it and i really enjoyed it and i sat down afterwards like whoa what was that you know that was like a completely new experience for me and bear in mind i'd probably done several hundred presentations in my life up until that point like i was in a sense a speaker as part of my job you know so yeah. I was very used to being very uncomfortable in front of a room full of people and doing it anyway and for whatever reason I, well 
because I I had these kind of tools that I could use. I just didn't have that experience, and it was a it was that was one of the moments where I realized, wow, there's like there's something here. This stuff works, you know. Um, so that's that's um, that's what got me got me onto it. Yeah. Do you, what do you, where do you think the line goes between kind of being really self-aware and I guess questioning your own ability to do this, to deliver a speech? Because I think speaking publicly, whether it's at your birthday, giving a few words or, yeah, everyone can kind of relate to this. Mm. And I think it's a really interesting way in at getting to know ourselves better. Um, yeah. Because I think there's a few elements to, there's a confidence thing, doing something that you'd not really experienced that. Like, but you say, you know, you had years and years, eight years of, of doing this, but there was this still something you couldn't surrender to or, or get past. Um, and the physical stuff, understanding it first of all, but then putting in certain things as a practice just to calm down the nervous system. So it was almost like, what you're saying is you're really dysregulated and certain things the the the, the speaking the put on the spot etc would have dysregulated that and, and pushed that into a place where yeah you weren't able to to handle because you didn't have the tools yeah so i guess my question here is what 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 would you say is the kind of percentages of like knowing yourself being confident in something to speak about it because i feel that that has to play a part but then mm -hmm. your nervous system and like yeah really attuning yourself to to your own sense of self i guess your own sense of worth you know ha having like a grounded feeling within yourself that isn't dysregulated um yeah. has to play a part in that as well yeah 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 I, I don't know I, i'm not sure i can put numbers on it but mm -hmm. i think i actually see the two things as quite distinct in that like i was confident in my ability just because i'd done it so many times and i knew what i was talking yeah. about and i'd practice you know i was I was in the research world so it was about information so i'd know all the numbers and i'd, I'd run it by i'd done practice presentations you know got got uh people in my organization to put me on the spot and grill me and ask me all the questions they could think of so i was i, I would always go in very well prepared mm. so it wasn't as it wasn't like a lack of confidence in that sense yeah you could get it was, through it yeah 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 like i knew what i was talking about yeah but it so it wasn't that and 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 it was a very weird experience those few years because i was a good speaker you know, I was good at it, but it was just emotionally exhausting. It wasn't coming from a place of enjoyment or ease or I never looked forward to it. I feared it. Um, and afterwards, I'd have a proper crash and, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd just have to go and sleep. Like, I was just so, it, it used up so much energy. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure it was just a self-belief thing. It was almost like there was just this, the physical nature of it just felt completely <laughs> alien to me. It was like I would just go into this mode where I couldn't think straight, basically, and, and we'd just be very self-conscious and, like, you know, 
very focused on my own trembling hands and stuff and totally not connected to the audience or what I was trying to say or, you know, just thinking in my head, you're going to forget what you're going to say, you're going to forget what you're going to say, you're going to forget what you're going to say, you know, you end up in these like weird little mental loops that you just that were paralysing. Um, so I don't know how much of it's just just self-belief or, or not. I mean, I know, like it's, to- like, so I still speak now, um and obviously the, the format's different um and a lot a lot of it's more virtual now but um and i still get nervous sometimes but my understanding of that is different mm. it doesn't bother me anymore. it's like oh yeah there it is and i know what it is and i am at peace with it and still feels a bit bit uncomfortable but it's kind of like it's okay because I know that it doesn't actually mean anything. It's just my body getting ready to perform, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's actually not a bad thing. It's actually quite a good thing. You know, yeah. it's, it's sort of part of the process. Yeah. I always say if you're nervous about something, that means you care. So <clears throat> it's like the balance between that. And then, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel public speaking for me, I, it's like, I try and kid myself into thinking I'm excited, but I know I am yeah. excited underneath it all. Like there's so much excitement there. Yeah. Um, but it's like just making sure that's your focus of like, for me anyway, like how excited can I be about something? Of course yeah. there's nervousness. Cause you know, there's a whole lot of people that may laugh at you and ostracize you for, for doing something silly on stage or <laughs> everything's recorded these days. It's like, there's no getting away with things, but, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, yeah, that's how it works for me anyway. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like the actual experience of being nervous mm-hmm. versus the experience of being excited. It's, it's, it's very similar. Pretty similar, yeah. You could even argue it's actually the same thing going on physically. It's just that we, you've got a different label for what it is. Mm-hmm. Now it's just the body kind of getting ready and sort of anticipation and a little bit of uncertainty and, and all of that. But one, we label that, well, that's an, a bad thing nervousness you shouldn't be nervous why are you so nervous you know it's sort of we think of it as a negative thing and an excitement's like a, a positive thing it's like yeah getting ready for something mm-hmm. uh, but actually is it any different apart from the meaning physically don't know i don't i don't think there is much difference really yeah physiologically it's exactly the same right yeah and this was one of the things again this was like very early in my journey into this but this was another moment that really helped me to see this or start to understand this because you know part one of the things that is uh in nlp training is is um state control being able to elicit states emotional states in yourself on tap you know go right i want to get into an excited state right now and to be able to go there or i want to get into a calm confident state and be able to go there on demand it's an incredible incredible thing um and so yeah still while I was on this course so it was quite early on in this course I went and did this other presentation that was uh it was a big pitch presentation it was worth a lot of money to the company like hundreds of thousands of dollars uh it was an hour-long conversation my boss was there my boss's boss was there I was doing most of the talking and I'm presenting to you know some senior bods at the client you know, like a uh, contract renewal sort of conversation. So it was, good. Like, it was a big deal. And um, again, the sort of thing that I would normally get really, like, really nervous about. 
and I got there, I got to the client's office and I had some techniques to calm myself and get myself into a, to, to elicit a good state, a, a, a useful state for that kind of thing. So I go into the toilets, lock myself in a cubicle, did this little like mental routine, um, which is some, some of which is what uh, they, they teach at NASA to astronauts. Like if they, you know, if they need to get themselves into a headspace, like a little thing you can do with your eyes and stuff that, that kind of basically clears your head, gets you really present. And I went and did that. Can you, can you share what that is? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to do it? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So, um, so all you're going to do, so it's just using your eyes. Mm-hmm. And so what you want to do is um, look, look up. So look up with your eyes down and uh, so and come back to neutral. Don't do this if you're driving. Yeah, don't do this if you're driving. Uh, you can do it if you're flying a spacecraft, though, apparently. So, so, you, so you're using your eyes and you're using your voice. So you're going to do like this. I'll demonstrate this. So you're going to go. You um, so you're going to say, for example, up, down. Watch me for a sec. Watch me for a sec. I'll demo it. So up, down, left, right. Up, down left right and if you do that try that a few, a few times mm-hmm. so so speak it first actually actually speak it like do exactly what i just did so say okay, up speak it and then go up up down back. so back to neutral and yeah. then down it's like driving a car right yes. up down left right up, down, left, right. That's it. It's harder than it looks, right? It brings you into the moment. It does. It's exactly <laughs> what it does. It clears your head. Yeah. You can't, it's kind of like, you know, patting your head and rubbing your teeth. It's quite, it's actually yeah, quite a hard thing to do coordination wise. And it just has you out of your head and there's loads of different things games that you can do like that but but things that you do that use your body to, to sort of clear your head mm. anyway i did that but you can feel the difference right have you heard of philip cox hind no he wrote a book called mindfulness change no. by choice developed like a interesting framework called change by choice you would actually really like this guy he came on my podcast no. Um, he reached out to me and uh, got him on. He did a he did a similar technique on getting some flashbacks. I can't remember what it was, um, but yeah, he sent me his book, Change by Choice. So yeah, as you love change, mm. I might send the book on to you. Yeah, um, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, he was a fascinating, fascinating guy. He lived in Henley. Um, but let me uh, tell you why this is relevant. Yeah, sorry. Cause... Yeah, you're on a you're on a story. I've interrupted to get a dose. Yeah, because. Well, it kind of links back to what we were talking about before because about the whole, you know, the the, the feeling of it and the meaning making of the of how you're feeling. Because mm-hmm. I, I did that and then I walked into that room for the first time ever in my life without any nerves in my body at all. Wow. And that was a revelation for me at that time. That was like a complete first, you know. And I, again, it's one of those moments where I'm like, holy shit, this NLP stuff works, you know walking in and I've got sales directors and marketing directors and like my boss and I'm there and I'm like I was totally cool 
And I'd never, ever felt like that in that context before, which was great. And then I, I do my presentation and I, I was aware that I was talking like this and I was really flat and monotone and I had no energy and I knew it was happening and, I, and, I, and I was, that's how it was coming out. And I was aware of it and I'm like, this is weird. I need to come on, like, you know, get, get some energy into it. And I couldn't. And, and it was, my delivery was really not very good. And I was disappointed with myself. And I, and I came out of that really confused. And I remember going back to my teacher, my NLP teacher, a guy called James Sakalis, who's based in Melbourne. Um, highly recommend James, amazing guy. And um, I said to him, like, what the hell was that? You know, I did, I did the stuff, I did the exercise and it worked. And that was amazing. But then my actual performance wasn't very good. Well, what's going on? And, and, and he said, well, what if you, what if the actual, the, those feelings, that nervousness or excitement, whatever you want to call it, what if that is part of your process to do a good presentation? And I was like, Fuck. that for me at the time was like, whoa, hang on a minute. I thought I've been trying my whole life to escape from those feelings. And you're saying to me that those feelings might actually be making me good at what I'm trying to do, good at my job, basically. <laughs> but it's, it was really, it broke my brain at the time. I'm like, what? I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah, give me it back. Give me the nervousness back. <laughs> exactly, which I did because I was still in that industry at that time. And I'm doing loads of presentations. So I started to experiment on myself of like, you know, where, because you can, when you, when you sort of, when you can start eliciting states in yourself, you can, you have, you can change by choice. You can, you can dial it up or dial it down. And I would just practice like, where's, where's the level, you know? And, and I, and I find now, like if I don't feel nervous, that feels weird. <laughs> I want a bit of nerves because I know that that's going to have me be on mm. and be up. Uh, whereas if I'm completely flat and cool, then I know that I'm probably not going to perform as well. And and actually, what changed is the 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 meaning that I had about that feeling. That feeling stopped being a thing to be worried about and embarrassed about and ashamed about and all the stuff that you know that we think about feeling nervous or you shouldn't feel nervous come on you've been doing this for years like why are you still feeling nervous you know like it's a bad thing it's mm -hmm. i stopped labeling it as that and started labeling it as excitement and readiness and just being prepared feelings exactly the same but how you think of it and therefore how you make sense of it and how you relate to it is totally different mm -hmm. yeah but then you're able to revisit it and yeah, not be as, I guess, not present. Or would you say that you you always were present with things you just you just associated the nervousness with negativity and like yeah, yeah you can be nervous and then still be present from there. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. It's more beforehand. It's you know that that like few minutes beforehand where you're not you're not actually doing the thing yet you're about to do the thing and that's when all the discomfort is usually mm -hmm. and it's it's that moment where are you spending two minutes going ah or are you spending two minutes going all right let's go you know it's yeah. such a different thing and that's mm -hmm. that is so much about the meaning that you're making of it mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So let's, let's sidestep slightly. I'm really interested to know a bit more about your health journey and how this kind of coincided with that, with, you know, just, just taking better care of yourself. When, when did that kind of feed into this? Um, and when did st- things like that start making a bit more sense to you? Uh, do you mean the, the physical? Yeah. yeah, physical. Yeah, obviously there's you talking more kind of uh, more mental, emotional kind of stuff. But yeah, the, the physical side of things um, and just outside of the kind of the work arena, I guess. What was yeah. it? Were you were you on that path already, or when did you start? Kind of, yeah, I guess living in more alignment with with your health. Was it was it kind of on mm. this on this path to to realizing? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I was already on that path. I'd, I'd gone at the point where I started getting into the the NLP and really starting to understand the mind. I'd mm-hmm. I'd I'd moved to Australia by that point and that was really good for me health-wise because before that I was living in London and I was you know working really hard and partying really hard um which was great and I loved it but I was definitely and, and training really hard as well like I was big into kung fu I said and boxing so I was sort of like it's quite an extreme lifestyle I guess it was just you know 40 50 hours of solid work every night I was doing uh you know pretty pretty full-on high intensity exercise kind of stuff training but then the weekend would just be totally obliterated with drinking drugs and you know it, it was kind of they were all working against each other I think um mm-hmm. and moving to Australia was definitely a really good thing for me because I went you know I didn't know anyone there and that was a good thing and it slowed me down big time and I and I you know I really backed off on the drinking and the drugs and that and um that was physically that was a really good thing and then probably a year after that, I um, well, after the first Christmas that I was there, I had some friends over for Christmas for a few weeks and I had my sister over uh, a couple of weeks after that. So I had guests for like five or six weeks over Christmas. And Christmas there is obviously like summer, hot. Um, because I was hosting, I, I kind of did a Northern Hemisphere Christmas, but in the summer. So I was doing all like roast dinners and wine and cheese and like, all of this stuff and it was like 40 degree heat and it was just a really bad combination and um I, and we had like about six weeks of just you know living it up basically and drinking too much and eating too much rich food and stuff and, and the heat and it, and I just I got to the end of it and my sister went home and I was like god I just felt awful physically I just felt awful and I was like wow I need to do something and, and um and then that February for the first time ever, I did a month with no sugar and no alcohol um, in, in any form, you know, no sugar, no, nothing sweet at all. Uh, as it's just in desperation, really, because I felt so bad. And uh, I was shocked by what it did for me. I, I, was, I felt amazing. I felt incredible. I was sleeping well. I was waking. I'd never been a morning person. And I was literally like waking up in the morning, like morning, like ready to go, which was weird. Um, and I just, I just, my energy levels were better my mental clarity was better and that was really interesting for me because I wasn't expecting that and um that got me really interested in trying to figure out my diet I sort of it clicked that actually a diet has a huge impact on your day and on your health 
uh, which just seems obvious now, but you know, nearly ten years ago, to me, it wasn't to me. Um, so that was a real interesting thing, which I'm, st- I'm still on that journey, to be honest. I'm still trying to figure out my diet. I mean, I've, I've, uh, my level of knowledge has moved on a lot, but um, I still haven't quite found the, the perfect outcome, but um, or the perfect mix. But that 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 was a real huge factor. Um, and then, I'm not sure when, it was only probably, it was probably about two years ago when I had, uh, I got the same information from multiple sources within a week um, mm-hmm. or about cold um, particularly uh, and not and followed after that uh, about breath work. And it came to me from one of my mates was doing Wim Hof and saying he was having these crazy experiences and the functional medicine lady who was helping me with my, with my diet, she was talking to me about uh, cold immersion for the vagus nerve uh, and then one of my colleagues with the social enterprise work I do, so doing, you know, pretty serious trauma work with often with people who are really not okay when you're talking to them and they're panicking and you have to kind of calm them down. He was, he'd started to use breath work. Um, and, and so within a week I had three different people come to me and say, Hey, you should really try this. And I was like, okay, that seems like there's a bit of a message coming from the universe there. Um, and I started to experiment with, with, uh, with, with breath work and cold showers at that point. I just on myself mm-hmm. uh, and I found it, I found it really helpful and uh, I think I've had a cold shower every day since um, for like two and a half years now really yeah uh, and, and I found the breath work from a professional perspective I find the breath work really really helpful with people who are you know quite often panicking um, and so that sort of started to be part of my practice too and I guess that was the thing that inspired me to go to the, the be more human uh, or the 100 human uh, um, experience because mm-hmm. I've been I've been dabbling with it and reading about it and watching a few videos here and there, but I've never actually had anyone show me what to do. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I'm you know I'm, I'm a big advocate of all of those things now, and they all form part of my sort of morning morning routine now. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel better for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to touch on your your morning routine, but I, th- I think first um, let's when did you come back from Australia and what, what, what did that look like in terms of your transition from, I guess, the more corporate side of things? Uh, was that into working for yourself and then developing the coaching practice and working with more one-on-one clients and companies? Yeah. I, well, I got out of the corporate world a few years before I came back. So I left the corporate world about six years ago, just over six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, the moment I got my permanent residency and my visa status changed so I could actually leave without having to leave the country, I left. And, um, yeah, I left with two very young businesses at that point. One was a, um, an e-commerce business, startup business, and, and the other one was a, was a sort of fledgling coaching practice. Um, and I, I tried to do both. I tried to launch, despite having never run a business or started a business, I tried to start two businesses at the same time, which was just in hindsight ridiculous, but at the time it made sense, and I was like, "Yeah, I reckon I can do this." Um, and about a year after that, decided to pull back from from the e-commerce and really focus on what I was really passionate about, which is change and, and helping people. Mm. Um, and doubled down on the coaching at that point, mm. uh, and yeah, it was it was one-on-one work. I also run groups, and I'd, I'd started running groups by that point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
two and a half years ago, pretty much. That's when I came back from Australia. So I was, you know, I was already mm-hmm. doing what I'm doing now. When did um, the kind of change stuff really, you know, penny drop moment for you? Or when did you start kind of feeding that in? When did it start making a lot more sense to you that it was change was the thing you wanted to focus on kind of thing and reframing that perhaps? Um, I think, I mean, the first real insight moment around that was I, I went to a conference, mm. uh, went to an NLP conference in Melbourne. It's maybe a year or maybe a year and a half after I'd started training. So I was still a newbie, you know, I was still a bit of a baby in that world. And um, I went to this conference and it was a three-day thing and they, they had speakers from all over the world come in, most of whom are based, you know, the UK is huge for, for that world, hypnosis and, and, um, and NLP and stuff. And uh, they, so they had a bunch of people come and, and I just found myself in a room full of people helpers, you know, coaches, therapists, various different types of trainers. And um, I just never been in an environment like that before. And I just was looking around, there's maybe 300 people there or something. And I, I was just looking around going, wow, this is a whole industry that I just had no idea existed. You know? and, 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 and they, they were nice people, you know, they were cool people. It was really interesting. Everything that everyone was talking about. I was like, wow, you're up to some really cool stuff in the world. And um, that was a, and, and, and also the, you know, each one of the, the presenters would do a demonstration. And so they'd get someone up and they'd do some little exercise with someone or some change work process or whatever. And there were some people like my my teacher at that time had had said or hinted at several times during the training that like you're getting the good stuff here. You know, like this he told us very early on there's a lot of pretty average NLP out there and you're getting some really good stuff. But like I I had no reference for anything else. So I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, that's what they all say kind of thing. And, I, and I'd heard that in the martial arts world, you know, like this is the real stuff, you know, like, every, every teacher said that. So I kind of, I didn't really think much of that. But then I'm in this conference and there were some people doing some demonstrations on stage who were running like international businesses. Mm. And I'm this newbie baby with like, you know, six months training under my belt or whatever it was, a year's worth. And I was looking at it going, mm, that based on what I've been taught, that doesn't look very good. Like I can see that that's not actually that effective. And that was a real kind of wake up call for me. So I was like, hang on a minute. I think I do have some good skills here. You know, like I, I just hadn't really thought of it like that. And I think the combination of those two things just helped, made me realize it was that moment that was that weekend anyway, where I had the realization of like, I reckon I, like there's something here for me, you know, and I, I didn't know what it was, but it, it, I, I kind of committed to myself that weekend that I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to start working with people just to see if I like it. You know, it wasn't like I'm going to be a coach or anything like that. Mm. I wasn't sort of ready for that at that point, but I just went, yeah, you know what? This seems cool. Seems helpful. I've, I've, I've got enough to at least start. Um, and that was, that was a, that was a big moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think with the the sort of change on the on the on the broader scale, um, 
that that really came up probably two years ago uh and i'm on this i'm on this program uh with another one of my teachers called rich Lippin. um this uh event that he runs called called the intensive rich Lippin intensive and he asked this question which i'd heard i've I'd heard him ask many times before but it really hit me he said um what's a mission that's so big that nothing would stop you Mm. and up Great until question. that yeah amazing question really 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 powerful question if you're willing to slow down and sit with it and up until you know not that long before that up until sort of two and a half three years ago my mission had been get to a point where I could make a living out of this and become location independent because I was in Australia and my dad wasn't very well and my little nephew was not very well and i you know, I really wanted to be able to come back here where I am now, which is very rural. You know, there's, there's no work here. I really wanted to be able to come back here to support them and, 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 and do that, you know, running my own business and, and, and doing work that was making an impact. And that had been my mission for, you know, it took me, it took me a few years to, to get to that point. And when he, when he asked that question, I realised, ah, oh, shit, like my, the mission that I'd had, I've done. Like, this is, that's true now. And all of a sudden I realized like, I haven't got a mission. Like, I'm just, I'm doing the work, but I haven't, there's no bigger vision at that point. Mm, I just haven't thought of it in that way. Yeah, and I was like. It's interesting. You chose a mission that was quite attainable in this, in this time and in, in, in human history. <laughs> yeah. Um, and very achievable for you. But not, you know, it, who's to say, but it was definitely achievable. Because my mission, I don't think I'll ever achieve it. Like, is yeah. that, is What's that your mission? <laughs> I'll tell you at the end. Um, so the mission, did that shift when you realised, oh, I've got what I needed. Oh, well, I've got, I've got what I kind of wanted out of, out of life at this moment in time. Did that re- reframe, you have to revisit it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know, the, the, the creation of, to get to that point, it didn't feel easy or achievable for a no. long time. Felt, I don't when mean I, when to I first, uh, diminish. No, well, it kind of is now. In hindsight, it's like, yeah, of course you could do that. Yeah. But at the time, when I first had that realisation of like, I want to be able to work from anywhere, do work that makes that doesn't feel like work and makes a positive impact in the world. Yeah. Like, at that time, I was not doing any of that. Sure. I was in the corporate world. I was miles away from home. I was, felt very trapped it felt a million miles away, you know? And, and yeah. so, and then, and then it happened. Um, but then when, yeah, when I got asked that question the second time, I, I was, I felt, I, I wasn't happy that I didn't have the answer. It wasn't like, Ooh, what's my mission? It was like, fuck, why have I not got a mission? You know, like I should have a mission, you know, it's like, why don't, why haven't you got an answer to that question? And, um, and that, that really played on my mind for, for quite a few months actually. And then um, I read this book. I still got this book here. Actually, I leave it on my, I leave it in front of my desk because it always reminds me of that moment. I read this book called The Overstory. I don't know if you've seen that. It's a birthday present from some friends of mine. Wow! Um, really name? amazing book. It's it's fiction. It's a novel uh, mm. about trees, about deforestation and activists, and like the trees are talking to the people. The trees are like communicating with the people to help them to save the, the woodland. It's a wow. beautiful book. It's really it's an incredible book. And um, Avatar was based on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, kind of. Um, 
And uh, I read that. And in the same week where I read that, I talked to my friend who lives on the HS2 line and she was really up. She, and she was an activist and she was sort of protesting against the chopping down ancient woodland in Oxfordshire or wherever it is. And, um, and, 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 and in my other home, which was uh, Victoria uh, in, in Australia, they were chopping down ancient woodland for a service road for, a, you know, for a highway. And that was, I saw that on social media. And so in the same week, I'm reading this book and it's really emotional. And then I'm seeing like, no, I've got two homes and this is happening now, you know? Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it just, it really hit me. And I had this sort of epiphany moment where I was like, wow, I realized that, yeah, you can, you can help people, but you can be very choiceful about who you help and you can help people who are helping to change some of the, this systemic, problems that are contributing to this and it wasn't just about chopping down trees it was more just that you know the system that we're in um and that that i literally stayed awake all night that night i could not sleep because i was so buzzing it was just like this download from somewhere i was just like you need to do this Mm. um and now you know roll forward 18 months and i've got clients who are making huge impacts in the world in a really positive way with way better ideas than I've got, you know, and, and um, it's happening, you know. Mm. Do you have any, like, advice for, I never asked this question, but advice for people that want to move into that space a bit more? Um, which space? Yeah, just sort of of helping, because there are so many of us that just feel a bit, I guess, stagnant, stuck, to actually help, uh, help, aid the mission of sustainability regeneration you know like helping the the wider i guess the planet um but just i don't you know we don't have to get into specifics but people who just want to move into that direction you know of working with more um meaningful meaningful jobs meaningful uh projects i guess you know, is it what did you do? Is it a case of exploring what you're interested in online, um, going down rabbit holes and, and figuring out what companies you want to l- look to collaborate with or work with or help, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, that's one of the things that I help people with. Mm. Uh, you know, part of some of my clients are people who are transitioning or they want to transition. They're trying to come out of a job or a career that they're not happy with or they don't feel aligned with and they want to live a more kind of meaningful life so um but you know that's i I absolutely do help people with that and that and a really good starting point i think is think about what what problem do you care about you know what because there's like just you just reeled off a bunch of stuff i mean Mm -hmm. where do you start you know there's so much going on in the world um there's many places to look what what do you care about what are you passionate about what do you worry about what do you what keeps you up at night what do you what frustrates you about what's going on in the world right now what is that and it might be a bunch of things but but get clear on that or at least get yourself a short list so that you have an area of focus and then go and then look to well who's already doing something in that space mm-hmm. who do you look up to what organizations or you know whether it's charities or businesses or people that you know even 
like who's already doing something in that space and then and then how can you find a way to hang around them more you know how can you find a way to get in touch with them i mean that's one of the things that's amazing about social media you can kind of find anyone now you know i mean i i love linkedin for that linkedin's great because it's like you can you can tap out richard branson on linkedin if you wanted to you know it's like it's not but you know you can kind of find anyone and if you know if you've got some sense of what you're looking for or what you're interested in you can find people who are doing it mm-hmm. and 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 you can reach out to them and you can just talk to them you know ask them what's going on I, try just learn 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 about that space to the point where you understand where you might be able to help and for most people who've been around a little bit you know anyone who's been in any job for i don't know let's say five five years plus you've probably got some transferable skills and experience and knowledge that is relevant in a slightly different industry you know it's it's not it's not always starting again from the bottom you can you can kind of sidestep into into things um and i think that's a really really good way to to go about it it's start to start to just kind of build the network a bit and talk to people who are doing things that you think are good in the world and all of a sudden you know opportunities open and doors open up and you'll find a way in yeah absolutely i think that's 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 great dose of tangible kind of things and advice to to hone in on it's uh yeah just to add to that i think it's it is it's I mean, initially what you said about just what things do you care about? What problems have you faced or even what problems have you overcome? Like, how can you help people do the same thing, I guess? Um, Because that's definitely where a lot of you find people come into this space of, of helpers or healers or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's, it's people that have gone through something pretty challenging themselves to find some tools and techniques to actually, yeah, navigate life for that that little bit better. Um, or yeah, you find a you find a big gaping hole in what you're looking at, and then yeah. you see, oh, well, why is this there? How can I fill this hole with with more joy and love and 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 yeah, create something that's clearly missing, mm. you know? Um, but yeah, I would love to t- touch on the the men's work. I thought like this was always going to talk about, but it's good to, it's really good to get more of an insight into, into you, I think, and, uh, and the stuff that you care about and, yeah. and your journey. It's yeah, it's really insightful to be honest, to get to know you more. Um, yeah. The men's work though, which is probably what we connected on initially, mm-hmm. uh, the Isle of Man, like where, where did this feature into the journey? Um, talk about a gaping hole. I think this is, this is one that, I see. Um, just, just let's just talk directly to men um, because we are we are men. Um, the spaces that we we haven't got in our culture to to kind of connect together um, and to share conversation that's vulnerable and intimate and yeah, a feeling of security and safety around other men that you're not judged, you're not laughed at, you're not. You know, you're not challenged. You're not. You're not in, com- in competition. It's it's a it's a rarity, um, and I know we both have kind of seen that. Yeah. 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 It's um, 
it's a an area of our culture i think that's really broken and um yeah i think in the sort of the the western world anyway that the the masculine culture is a bit of a mess you know it's not really like what what is it to be a good man now mm -hmm. do we even know that you know it's not it's not necessarily clear uh and i think a lot of men are confused about how to how to be a good man what what is that um and it started for me really again it was an accident uh it was never a, a an intention to go into that space i consider i i had being pretty insecure in myself for most of my life. So never have, you know, put myself out there as someone who could sort of lead or, or inspire or help other men really, because I didn't feel like I had my own stuff together. Um, but I went to, I went to a, a, um, a men's group and uh, an event that one of my coaches organized. Uh, I signed up for some one-on-one -on -one coaching and, and, to help me grow my business really. And, and he said, I think you should come to this a guy called Ankush Jane in the UK. And he said, I really, I really want you to come to this. I think it'll really help you. And I was like, okay, you know, trust you just, just signing up with this guy. So I'd already sort of put some trust in him. And I said, yeah, right. And I, and I went to it without really knowing what it was. And, um, and I went along and it was, I think 12 guys for five days. And it, I was quite intimidated going in because I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't really know how to operate in that kind of environment. The rules were you leave your ego at the door, no judgment. We're all just here to connect as equals. And there's no set agenda. Like it's not like a training course or a workshop. It's like, you know, we're just here and you bring whatever you bring. You show up and you, you, you know, you put out into this what you want to put out into this. And that for me was like, whoa, okay. I've never never been in that kind of environment before and it was quite scary for, for, for the first couple of days um, but it was it was amazingly powerful amazingly powerful and I came out of that feeling very different in myself um, I'd slowed down a lot in my head I was way more I was a way better listener because it's one of the things that happens in those kind of groups you have to listen to other people you have to drop your judgment and just listen which sounds really obvious but we're not very good at that <laughs> Um, generally in 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 the, in the sort of modern world, but definitely men are not very good at that. Yeah, we listen uh, with our mouths. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're listening, waiting to speak, or you know, listening to agree or to disagree. We're not just listening, open, and we're not. You know, we're very often listening from our head. We're not listening from our heart. Or we're not just listening to connect. We're listening to try and fix or solve or you know, prove to everyone that we know something about this. You know, or whatever we, we've got so much on our minds we're not actually listening but a lot i learned to listen and i was like whoa okay that 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 in itself was a game changer um and and it really helped me and um and it helped me on multiple levels you know it helped me at home it helped me with my business it helped me professionally um it it, it helped me on a lot of levels and i realized one there's a real need for this and two i realized I could do that too, you know. It wasn't about, I mean, I, I love Ankush and he's awesome at what he does, but it wasn't about how amazing he was. It was like he was holding the space for everybody else. It was a collective, co-created thing. And I realized I I could do that and I could hold that space. And, and so I decided to do it. 
and then I sat on it for a whole year because I was too scared. And uh, all the all the imposter syndrome stuff came up. I was like, oh, I can possibly do this. What are people <laughs> going to think? And then and then I did one. Um, before I left Australia, I, I ran one. Um, it was like I knew I knew I was leaving, and I had my uh, flight booked to to leave to come back. And I was like, I, I have to do this before I go. And and it kind of forced me to to do one. And I ran an event uh, for a few guys over a few days, and and it was mind blowing, like really really impactful for everybody, including me. You know, it was just super super powerful. And um, I just realised, holy shit, like this is this is really needed in the world. And uh, and the week after, uh, I had my leaving party, and I had a bit of a party at my house, and a couple of the guys who'd been to the to the men's circle came to the party with their partners, one, one, one with his wife, one with his girlfriend. And both those women came up to me at some point in the party independently and said, can I, can I have a quick word? And I said, yeah, right. And, and they said, thank you. Like, he's different now. Like, I don't know what you guys did on that weekend, but it's really good. And I, I had tears in my eyes, you know, I was like, whoa, I, I realised the, the, the knock-on impact of that. And just the ripple effects that go out from from doing that kind of work, and I was like, "Wow, right, okay, I really need to do more of this." You know, this is needed. Um, so I have, and I've done I've done a couple every year since. So um, yeah, I, I I love it. You know, it's 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 deep, it's profound work, it's um, very 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 impactful, and I think it's really needed, and and I think it links into so many other challenges that are going on in the world you know it's, it feels like quite a high leverage thing to do because mm. whenever you help someone like that or you, you help someone it impacts their family it impacts what they what they choose to do with their life it impacts their career choices it impacts it it, it impacts so many other facets of of, of life you know so that's that's why i'm still doing it mm. and it's not it's not an easy thing i'm going to put that right out there too you know it's not an easy thing as I, as I think you find too like a lot most men are terrified by that something like that it's not like there's loads of men going yeah 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 show us where the men's groups are you know it's not it's the opposite you're going hey come to this thing and they're like guards up you know like, what why yeah it's not it, it's um I think we're still at a relatively early stage in that sort of movement where it's sort of becoming more acceptable and okay for a guy to go, you know, buggering off for a few days to do some work on myself. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's not common. And, um, but it's, it's, it's moving. It's moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that, man. It's visceral, you know, and I hear you speak to the truth of that um, and the impacts. It's, it, it is something you said that really resonated was uh, that we listen, we listen. It was, it was about, it was about listening. You said that um, we want to. We're all, we're in our head to then respond with something that we can add or like that. I find myself doing this a lot, where especially on a podcast because you know I've got to have some ammunition like lined up, or and I'm I'm really listening and I'm trying being present, but then I'm always I have this kind of. Um, this 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 mind thing where i'm like right what can i add to make me sound 
better. And there's an interesting balance there of just being present and just, yeah, speaking from your heart. Uh, and if you haven't got anything to add, that's fine. We'll move on. Mm. It's like, but there's this, there's this need and it's coming from a, it's coming from a lack. It's coming from a place mm. that, that isn't fully accepted. Mm. Yeah. I think one of the, that's one of the biggest things is noticing where these energies are coming from within us, where mm. our intention is, uh, where our integrity is. And yeah, can we, can we look at that? Can we, accept that bring it out and just speak to it and then when you speak to it it makes it a bit more acceptable for other people too and i'm sure mm. you find like you being vulnerable in that space allows everyone else to be and that can be like the difference right yeah mm -hmm. yeah i mean it has to, you have to if you're going to facilitate something like that you have to go there first mm -hmm. you have to show you have to demonstrate, you can't just talk, you, you have to demonstrate it. So you have to slow down and be present and just, you know, dial into your body, not just in your head and and, and be in that space and, and, and feel that connection. And once, once you do that and you kind of lead the way, everyone follows pretty quickly. And that's the beautiful thing about this, you know, at the start, and this has been the same, every single one I've ever been to as an attendee and every single one that I've ever run, at the start, everyone's a bit nervous. You can just see people looking around like, what is this? Where's this going to go? You know, and, and it's kind of, everyone's a little bit uptight and awkward chat. And, and then, I don't know, an hour, two hours in, all of a sudden the whole energy is different. Mm. And all of a sudden people really start to slow down because they, they see and they feel that it's safe to do that. And when they do that, then all of a sudden that's when the good stuff comes out because people then say things that they wouldn't normally feel comfortable to say because they feel safe to say it. And then it's like a tidal wave because it's like very often, especially if someone's not been to something like that before, very often there are things that they've really wanted to say for a really long time and they've just not because they've not felt comfortable or they've not had anyone that they felt safe to, to talk to about it or whatever. And then all this stuff comes out and, and it comes out and it's safe to come out because no one's judging. And it's like, cool. Yeah. When we, everyone acknowledges it and we all realize we're very similar and, and, and it, it sort of gets its own momentum at that point, but you have to, you have to go first to, to really show it. Mm -hmm. What do you think the biggest thing in transformation that you see at these events What's like the biggest, whether it's a exercise or practice or, or something that um, the experience of something or like a, a moment, what's like the biggest point of transformation, would you say? The, the thing that I'm always aiming for, the thing that's the most important thing for me, if I, if I have any intention doing this kind of thing is this it, it's when someone sees through their own thought generated experience mm -hmm. and they recognize that that's just happened that's what that is a transformation moment where mm -hmm. someone catches themselves you know they're stressed about whatever and it doesn't matter what the context is they might be talking about their relationship their financial situation their business their career their kids their health whatever someone's talking about there's a specific context, 
but they are creating that as a problem. They are conceptualizing that in a way that has them not at peace. And when someone sees that and they, and they feel that and they, it stops being a problem in that moment and the feeling changes without actually solving the problem usually, it's just they see it differently. You know, they suddenly get a different perspective on it and they're like, oh, and they feel it and they relax. And then all of a sudden they have way more perspective and they usually from that point, they really quickly find the answers to whatever that was they were battling with. But when they see that that's happened, it's like you get, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a vertical shift in understanding. It's not about problem solving. It's it's a, it's a shift in understanding about how you make problems in the first place, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And and it's like that's profound because once you've once you've had an experience like that, you can't unhave it. You know, once you've seen it, it's there, and, mm-hmm. and you just you understand yourself more deeply. You understand yeah. your own thought, feeling, mind, body connection more deeply, and that applies to any problem. You know that that is relevant to every context in your life and that that's the thing that really for me that's what it's about you know it's about helping people to get that because that's transferable that you can that's not just about having a a nice conversation with a few guys for a few days and we have a lovely time and then we go back to life and it's exactly the same that makes no sense there's no there's no change there that's just a nice weekend it's like what can you learn well it's like you, that that shift in understanding then leads to a different experience of life afterwards mm-hmm. in any context and that's 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 the thing you know that's 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 what it's all about it's like the whole thing is designed to have those moments happen for everybody and the beautiful thing about that in a group environment is when one person has a moment like that and everyone sees it it's so obvious and then it's like oh and then and then it's almost like domino effect you know everyone starts to to get it um uh, there was a moment uh in the last one that i did there was just such a beautiful example of this where this guy was talking about um this he was talking about it's like uncontrollable rage that he would have and he'd had it since he was a kid and he'd had like quite a traumatic upbringing and and you know he's in his 40s now and he was talking about how like this feeling would come up and, and it was just taking over him. And, it, and he was feeling that feeling when he was talking about it. And he was like, ah, oh, just, I'm not at peace. I'm not comfortable. He was agitated and he was talking fast. And, you know, it's like, Rrr. and as we were exploring this, at some point it just stopped. He just, he just saw it differently and he just got it. And it just went thump, like in an instant. And he was like, ah, oh. and he just visibly calmed down. He was just like, Oof, just visibly calmed down. He was like, fuck. And I was like, what happened to that feeling then? And he said, well, it's just gone. So that's sort of what happened. And, and the only thing that happened was he realized what was happening and saw it differently. Mm. And it was almost like, it was so quick that you could have missed it, you know? And I was like, stop, <laughs> you know, everybody, did everybody just see that? Because that's what it looks like when you have a profound shift that just completely changes how you see things. And people were like, jaw drop, you know, because it was so, it was so obvious in someone yeah. else. And then that gave everybody else more access to that too. Yeah. No? And that, that for me is what, what these kind of group things are, are about. I mean, that's kind of been the one-on-one work too, but that group environments are so powerful for that kind of thing. Yeah. And there might have even been an element of he actually felt heard for the first time. 
Yeah. Oh, he definitely was. You know, expressing something mm. and then you're like, oh, there's so much energy wrapped around this thing. Now I'm actually have got the floor to express mm. this and, and, and let it be heard. It's like, oh, it's not that. Yeah. It's not that crazy. Yeah. I mean, I there's a, a similar experience I can speak to. It was very, very recent um, in, uh, in my partnership. So <laughs> Nina was mirroring to me. Well, she was asking for a need, really. Right. She was saying, you know, you didn't communicate something. Um, so she asked for more transparency there. Um, around communication and that communication might be I'm not ready to talk about this right now but it needs to be needs to be spoke to um, but without going into it too too deeply I recognize myself going to the but don't I always communicate don't I always I do that all the time like yeah. okay this one time that I didn't say thing or I, I didn't reply like I always reply, it's like, no, no, no. And then there was this moment where I was just like, and I'd probably use that, call it an excuse, several, you know, hundreds of thousands of times. It's a pattern in my childhood to get me out of things uh, and not, not be responsible to take action on your responsibility. And I was like, oh, I felt myself like shift. I was like, I'm, I'm witnessing that. Mm -hmm that the reason why I've said that um, and although it might be true that's not honoring the other person mm. and you're just you're just washing away what they're saying by coming up with well I normally do that so you know let's focus on the things I do do and it's like nah so yeah that was a that was a visceral moment for me but it mm. is it's you're catching wow. ca catching yourself in these moments um because we are full of habits and familiarity and everything's just trying to keep us keep us safe away from conflict and that might be yeah in an argument or whatever it is but you'll definitely have these mechanisms that you've built up yeah yeah i man. think what you said is, is 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 it you know like it's probably that pattern of thinking or relating probably goes back a very long way to when you were really young and that's how you made sense of the world back then. And it made sense back then to a kid, but then you, and so that pattern then sticks. And then like, that's how I always do it all unconscious, but then you get to some point in your life and those patterns don't serve you anymore. Mm. And, and it, and it is being able to, to, to see them and, and, and bring them into your consciousness so you can actually see them playing out and go, Oh, wow. Okay. Does, is that actually a good thing for me? For me to keep do i want to keep this pattern of, of mm -hmm. behavior thinking and if you and if you do great keep it but if you don't then you have agency at that point to change it mm -hmm. but you have to be able to see it first and and it's such a powerful thing when you see it like that when you see it in the moment and you feel it and you're like whoa i'm showing up like a five-year-old here and i that's not that's not cool anymore and you can mm -hmm. change it in that moment and that's a beautiful thing that's like how change happens isn't it it's, yeah it's, you can and it sticks and you and you always remember that time where yeah you realized i i think uh it, that that conversation happened so many times though and i've not recognized it like it's really honest as partners to honor the other person's process 
and or even as men you know honoring that's that's why these groups are incredibly powerful because you're not trying to we're not trying to fix the other person we're just trying to hold a mirror up and we're not trying to give our opinions about what they should be doing because that's they need to people need to see it for themselves and it's mm. the biggest when you're in a partnership because yeah that that might happen over and over again for years mm. um <laughs> so you really have to trust that you're both on the same wavelength for things and you're really trying to do your best to to grow from situations because if you're not then if you're not growing then you're the, there's no really staying still it's you're either yeah improving or you're not um and you're just gonna yeah keep letting those those situations just i guess uh get the better of you really more than anything yeah. um how many events are you doing a year now and is this the Isle of Man's your project, or you, you do you do that with one one other person? Yeah, it's a collaboration now. I I, uh-huh. um, I was doing them on my own uh, the first few times that I did it, um, which which was great. But uh, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is is food as well. Uh, having spent a long time in the food industry and and uh, seen some really bad stuff, I've, I've got some pretty strict rules and values around food. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know it's, and and so when i started to run events i was like i don't want to sacrifice my values just because i'm running events so and you know got high standards with what foods we use and like don't use any plastic and stuff like that I don't I, you know stop shopping in the supermarkets years ago yeah um, to speak to that how many years ago have you not been in a supermarket yeah. i don't know i've probably been in a supermarket uh-huh. every now and again in an emergency but you know for so you do well, go in cleaning product. I don't think I've been in since I've been back in the UK for anything significant. No, I don't yeah. do my weekly shop. I mean, I'm lucky. I, I you know, I've got access. I, I live in the country, so I've got access to some amazing stuff, mm-hmm. and I buy directly from all the growers or the from all the farms. Um, so, but no, I mean, I stopped doing my weekly shop in the supermarket. I don't know more than ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a long time when I was still in London, I'd, I'd, I'd stop using the supermarket by then. Yeah, it's radical for some people to even get their head around how much yeah, yeah. time that must take, and, and and energy, and kids, and and all sorts. And of course, there's so many factors and layers to this for people. But the only person stopping you is is yourself. Is they said you've got you're lucky to get access. You've got access. Everyone has access. It's yeah. just being creative and spending the time you know, an hour a week. And then just that compounds over time, just on, on like trying to like, yeah, get these, get these avenues explored. And how can I, yeah, look to <laughs> implement different, different um, ways of, 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 yeah, getting produce and getting food. Yeah. It's easy. You've got, to, you've got to get it from somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why not just go to the market? That, I mean, that's the way I've I'd always done it. I lived in Brixton for quite a few years and Brixton, Brixton Market is really cool. So I used to go down to Brixton Market and get and get it all there. Um, there's a few nice little independent delis and stuff around there when, when I was there. So, you know, it still take you just as long as it, as it would go around the supermarket. And it was a much nicer experience. You actually got to talk to the people who were selling the food. Uh, it was a hustle and bustle in the market. I loved it. I, I loved it. It's my first thing when I first got to Melbourne. I didn't know anyone. 
you know, first night in Melbourne and I'm there on the internet going, where's the market? You know, where's, where's the local market? I went down to South Melbourne market on my first day and just hung around there for a couple of hours chatting to people and, you know, checking out the food. And I don't know, I, I, I really don't think it's a big deal. Mm. I've, I've, I've not used a supermarket when I lived in big cities and I don't use a supermarket now I live in the countryside, you know, and it's like, it's totally possible. And it's so much easier now with all the delivery services. You know, you can, you can get an organic vegetable box delivered. I used to get um, Abel and Cole, you know, veggie box delivered when I was in London. No, it's years ago. It's like more than 10 years ago I started doing that. Um, you can now get organic meat delivered to your door. You can even get uh, fish delivered to your door. But I did that once and the, the amount of packaging was absolutely horrific. So I just I, I stopped doing that straight away. But um, I don't think it's that hard, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'll do it like... I'll go to, um, so I live relatively near the South Coast and uh, my sister lives down there. So when I go down there, there's a, I'll go down to like one of the little local fishmongers where they're just doing all local uh, pool harbour fish. It's all local fish. And I'll just go down there with a big box and I'll spend like a hundred quid and I'll just fill it. But then I'll, I'll just freeze it all. And then, you know, it's food. He's the pun. Yeah. It's food, food for weeks. You said you'd fill it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, fillet and fish, not my forte. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just got a meat order, and, and now you're bringing my awareness to the packaging that's also arrived with it. Uh, but yeah, Wild Meat Company, I've I just spent yeah, close to 100 pounds on on getting the next three months of meat, and maybe yeah. more, you know, and doing it in one order, and it, yeah, it's just. It's, there's no reason for me to shop in the supermarket with meat yeah. and stuff, which, yeah, exactly. which I don't know where it's coming from. And yeah, it's not, it's not you know where it's coming from. It's coming from a battery <laughs> farm somewhere. Let's be real. Let's be frank about it. It's coming from a battery farm. Yeah. And it's being fed on soy and grains and all kinds of horrible stuff, which it's, which itself is being fed with a um, bunch of synthetic fertilizers and covered in pesticides and stuff like it's toxic man it's really toxic mm-hmm. I, uh, I risk of me getting on a soapbox here because i've got very strong views about this but do it man i mean, I mean I'm, on, I'm on your wavelength the, the, the supermarket is not a food shop it is a plastic poison shop mm-hmm. that's what it is it sells plastic and it sells food that is not actually food most of it it really is like no wonder we're a nation full of you know, increasingly obese, sick people with chronic health conditions, like, because we, the, the, the food industry is absolutely at the heart of that. It mm-hmm. really is. It's absolutely at the heart of the plastic problem. It's absolutely at the heart of the destruction of the, the seas, you know, with all, with all the, the, uh, the, um, all the microplastics going into the food chain now in the, in the sea. It's absolutely at, at the heart of the deforestation problem. That's all for food. You know, most of it's for soy or whatever for to be fed to animals for 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 uh, cheap meat. Um, you know, and it's absolutely at the heart of so much of the the major chronic health problems. Um, you know, so let's be honest about it. Mm-hmm. Those companies are not doing good in the world. They're really not. And um, I can say that because I've been you know I've been inside those companies. I worked inside those companies. I was a supplier to those companies for a long time. So I've seen it and um, it's uncomfortable. And I was too, you know, I was very uncomfortable about sharing my views on that for a long time. 
Mm. I, would, I, I wouldn't post about it on social media or whatever. I still got loads of friends and ex colleagues and stuff who, who are in the food companies and, and you know in that industry. And I felt very uncomfortable being vocal about my opinions about that. But uh, you know, at some point, you've got to start being honest, and you've got to be honest with yourself, and you've got to be honest with, with what's going on. And if you're interested in change, change starts here, you know, and you've got to change what 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 you're doing. And I, and I, that was that was one of the moments that really helped. That, that was a, a real pivotal moment for me um, coming out of that industry because I used to do was doing a lot of the speaking, and I used to do this um, like thought leadership presentation like state of the industry kind of presentation you know what, what are the big trends going on in this industry and i we put it together and then i'd go around and i'd present it to a bunch of companies at like sales conferences and stuff and um i hadn't been in the supermarket for years at that point and as, as my shop but i was but you know if you if you're an expert in the supermarket industry you kind of need to go into a supermarket <laughs> to have a look at what's going on and i just remember being stood in front of 50 odd people in this room that were like their sales day with me as like the external expert talking about the shopper about the supermarket industry and just feeling like such a hypocrite mm -hmm. just it really hit me in that moment I'm like I am living a false life here because in my private life I'd happily talk to you about this over over the dinner table or you know and you look in my fridge and you'd see and you'd see me on the weekend going down to the market and all of that but work but i'm being paid to help these companies make more money it's like oh it was a very uncomfortable moment for me it was a real like you know wake wake up moment of like what are you doing like you can't you can't do this you can't do this and um pretty uncomfortable but i think it's actually really easy to change especially yeah. now it's really not that hard to change and um it makes such a huge difference and it's so much more enjoyable the food's just so much better i mean if nothing else you're just putting better food into you like that in itself is a reason um yeah like and, when did that start becoming kind of uncool or like not not necessarily uncool but when did that start becoming abnormal you know, like, because yeah. you, you bring it up with in certain circles, maybe it's family, you bring up the fact that we're all, you know, very, um, very marketed um, to with toxic food and just sugar and, and all the rest of it. I mean, pick your poison, but we're marketed to it. And when did that speaking to that start becoming the kind of the thing people laugh at? <laughs> you know the abnormal kind of yeah i get the eye roll all the time oh god here he goes again you know <laughs> so what do you think it is then speaking directly to that within people that don't want to look at it or think you're just being too you know because you would have got it the eye roll whatever it is the contempt or yeah. What is it within people do you feel that, that they just can't don't want to see it within themselves or they feel it's like another thing to do or the, the effort? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's probably a combination of all of it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think people very often have an assumption that changing some quite fundamental aspects of their life is going to be hard. Mm. Just they just assume change is hard you know 
Um, so therefore, I'm not even going to think about it. Yeah. Um, I think some people just don't give a shit, to be honest, and that's fair enough. Like, they just don't have, you know, their values are not in that way. That It's just not a priority for them. Um, yeah. Some people, you know, go, well, it's, it's all about price. It's all about price, you know, and they've been trained to think by the supermarkets that food should be cheap. And that, that, that cheap is good when it comes to food, when actually cheap means poisons, battery farming, plastic, you know, synthetics, all that stuff. That's what cheap means. But there's this idea that, like, mm-hmm. yeah. it's all about yeah. price without mm-hmm. actually having a look at what it costs to go down the local market and talk to the green grocer. Like, you know, that actually doesn't, doesn't need to cost more or, or much more. What about um, water? Have you been going down, have you gone down the rabbit hole of, 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 filtration and, and filtering your water um i was a big skeptic about that but my sister has been educating me mm, um, i've been spending days just looking into it yeah well i'll tell you what i'll show you something it's a little bit gross but i'll, I'll show you it um, distilled this, some water. this yeah so she's actually got a distiller now and actually yeah. if you look in that distiller it's horrendous but i've got um there's a radiator here and, and um, you know, in the winter when the radiator's on, it gets really dry and then sinuses get all kind of popped up. So I just put a little bowl with some water and I'll just do that every morning and then it just stops the atmosphere getting too dry. We just tap water. Mm-hmm. Right. Look at that bowl. So that's, that's from what, sorry? That's the tap water. That was just been a little bowl of tap water. Yeah. And put on the radiator. Uh-huh. to evaporate just yeah. to keep the atmosphere not too dry yeah that's what's left in there when so, did you put that there last like 10 a few years ago <laughs> no, well i don't know that's probably a couple of months i haven't had the radiator on for a month but wow so yeah month. you're you're distilling water there and what's yeah. left is all the fucking chemicals i don't know what it is but it's it's not, not very nice the chlorine i shouldn't know they really <laughs> yeah but yeah i mean that stuff's going in so do you, you're drinking tap water at the moment? Uh, I've got these, um, I might have some here actually. I've got these uh, little, you can buy these little charcoal things. It's mm-hmm. just a piece of charcoal. Um, and you, so it's tap water, but then you put them in it and you leave it overnight and then the charcoal kind of absorbs the whatever, apparently. So, yeah, I think that puts minerals back into the water doesn't necessarily mm. take anything out but yeah okay this is a rabbit hole you're going to go down for sure um because it's it's as big as the the whole food thing yeah <laughs> if not more it's it's crazy how much uh information there is about certain ways of filtration and like mm. all the different ways in which yeah you can filtrate the water and what what's best but yeah mm. i've been kind of uh been kind of going down this rabbit hole for a last couple of weeks mm. um to really try and get yeah an understanding of like what is the best practice for for taking care of your water yeah but yeah yeah we should chat about it um yeah yeah but cool, I think man. With, the, with the food thing like you know mm-hmm. from the perspective of change i i do think that is one of the highest impact things that you can do mm-hmm. to be more sustainable and to be more healthy it's like really look at what food is coming into your house. It's the thing that we spend most on most often, you know, it's like, it's, if, if you're not buying loads of stuff, which 
you know, if you're not into sort of too many material possessions, I mean, what, what are people spending money on every week? It's, it's food, isn't it? It's food and drink. Yeah. And like when you really look at that and you, and you make some conscious choices about that, you can really change your impact really, really quite quickly. And it's, um, I think it's a, it's a high leverage thing to do. I'm a big advocate of banning supermarkets, but uh, it's not a popular view. <laughs> yeah. No, that one, that's not going to work, is it? Um, and we also, uh, some people speak to have this kind of idea that like there's a, there's a lack around food, which is a whole mindset over what's actually possible. And mm. that, you know, you, you can't feed people majority of fruit and vegetables, which makes zero sense. Um, when most of the fruit and veggies go into animal feed anyway, um, to feed the animals that you think that we can't survive without. Um, but yeah, big, big one, big one for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it, we, we are the biggest, the biggest outgoing we have is, is food. So I think that should be kind of the, the standard really, or somewhere to look. If it's not, then what, why not? Yeah, you know? yeah. 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 And just on the health thing, like my probably my most recent exploration with health is is fasting and like long longer form fasting, and I've been really playing around with that the last probably two three months now. I mean, I've been intermittent fasting for a few years, but like several days of not eating, and that that's been a revelation to me too. It's like we're eating way too much. We don't need to eat anywhere near the amount of food that we're eating. Mm-hmm. That's been huge, and it's really helping me with some health stuff too. So I think the whole our whole relationship with food is really is quite confused and I think quite um, not not where it needs to be actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important, man. It should find its way into every podcast. <laughs> mm. um, right, man. Let's let's leave it there. So, where can people find you, and where are you kind of are you active online? And yeah, if anyone wants to find out about the men's work, where do they go? Yeah, we didn't even talk about that too much, do we? Um, I um, uh, yeah, I'm pretty active online. Uh, my website is just my name, so it's nathanieldunn.co.uk, uh, and then I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, and I'm pretty active on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you just find, look up my name, you'll find me. Nice, good stuff, man. Uh, what are you most excited about right now? Uh, Oh, that's a that's a good question. What um, got going on that you are? Yeah, I've got. Um, it's, I turned forty a couple of months ago, so I've got a big fortieth birthday party coming up soon, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. I haven't hosted a big party in this country for ten years, uh, and I used to organise a few parties. So, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I'm speaking at a music festival this year for the first time. I'm oh, really okay. pumped about that. Yeah, and like. I don't know, a couple of months, six weeks, something like that. What's, so, the, what's the music festival? Uh, Noisily Festival. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I've not been before. Um, but, uh, yeah, big part of my life and sort of bringing together that, you know, going go, go to festivals but actually contributing in a, in a meaningful way. And, yeah. Um, nice. yeah, really excited about that. That's cool, man. Great. Mm. All right, man, let's leave it there. Appreciate you coming on and yeah, speaking to everything you, you have spoken to. I think yeah, it's thanks for me. very important stuff, man. And uh, 
yeah, it's good to connect again and find out some more more things that uh, go you going on with you, man. It's good. Mm, definitely. Thanks for having me, mate. Really, really good conversation. Thank you for listening all the way to the finish line. If you found today's podcast valuable and you want to help support, then please share it with one person that you know helps grow the channel exponentially. And uh, yeah, I wish you a good day. Thank you.